Head coach and GM of the Steinback Pistons joins us now. Paul Dick, ahead of the MJHL draft, which is going Saturday afternoon. Paul, uh, let's start with, uh, you know, kind of ahead of the draft. What are some of the key things you're looking for in players in this specific age group? And, and kind of what leads you to drafting up a hockey player? Well, there's a couple of factors. I mean, you know, the first thing that jumps out, jumps off the page when you go watch a player is, you know, is he a good player? Is he a skilled player? skating abilities is something that we factor in um you know we're looking at players that are at different levels of physical maturity you know some are 6'1 180 pounds and some are 5'5 130 and so there's growth potential so you got to factor all these things in so it's not really an exact science we're not drafting men we're drafting you know teenage boys that are uh different stages of growth um then, you know, we try to dive in if we like the player. We dive into doing some character research, um, you know, everything from their coaches, maybe some parents that we know that have either played with, their sons may have played with that player. So we now we try to factor that in. And that's sometimes where players come off the list, to be honest with you. Um, you know, the reality is every year there's four or five guys where we've been advised kind of stay away. Um for different reasons and you know and some sometimes it's just the players are we use this analogy do you want to play hockey or do you want to be a hockey player Mm. and there's a there's a difference there so we sometimes you can see who are the guys that are doing the extra work who's you know they've got 15 extra minutes at the end of practice are they working on their shot are they working on their skating are they asking the coach maybe some questions on how to develop areas where they're deficient. Are they working with teammates to make their line mates or their <clears throat> teammates better? Are they totally. sticking around? Are they, are they that guy in the locker room that brings a team together? Like There are intangibles that go well beyond skill, especially at 15. 100%. You know, and that's... You don't know those answers going to watch three or four games, so yeah. you have to, you know, um, tap into some of your, your network and, you know, I've got... For, for us, I mean, Rob Smith's a player who's coaching at, at, at RHA at the U18 level. He watches a lot of U16, U17, U18 hockey. Yeah. So He's got a great uh, eye, and, <coughs> and you know, eye. he's a trusted character himself. Totally. Which so that's, really plays a role. That's yeah, right. To rely on maybe like-minded people or people that have the same values and types of hockey players are looking for is is also key and something that you... You know, you know the reality. You and I may go watch a player and come away with a different assessment too. Yep. So for us, it's really finding: does that guy fit with us? It's not that a player that we don't select uh, isn't a good player. Or often we would love to have some players that <laughs> is, yeah. we're drafting last in the first round. So there's going to be <laughs> eleven players that go by before yeah, we get this probably on your list totally and then you just have to scratch them off yeah so in uh, many cases it's disappointing like ah uh, you know that's who we wanted I with was our selection he would slip down i was like oh, there he goes dang it yeah 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 so yeah so i was talking to somebody yesterday i said it was awesome when we got to select justin years ago justin Bowdry first overall right it's a <laughs> slam dunk for us he was local he was very good he <laughs> wanted to be here um <clears throat> when you get to the 12 spot you don't, you know, you don't have that that slam dunk pick, no, right? No, you don't. And it's the the Manitoba Junior Hockey League draft is very unique. In you are trying to find a skilled player that can play Junior A, but not get maybe absorbed into the WHL 
or taken away by an NCAA program too early, and you're trying to see where he goes four years down the line. It's a really mind-bending thing that you and David Anning, Nick Lubomov all have to go through. It, it really is. I mean, you're it's it's a little bit of rolling the dice, and it's so difficult to project their, their futures. And when the Western Hockey League comes into play, um, it's enticing for a lot of players. Mm-hmm. And um, so... You know, I was talking to uh, somebody here who had uh, both Junior A and WHL experience, and he was saying back in the day the WHL was the the big league, and, you know, if you had WHL experience or could get there, that was a huge deal. I feel like players are staying more at the Junior A level now because there's more opportunities, and you look at how many Manitoba hockey players are taking the next step. I think players are looking at a, a, a Pistons program or, or Junior A programs and wanting to be a part of those and maybe not jumping to the WHL. Well, yeah, 100%. I think it's coming this way. Our league is, or our province is starting to just become more educated that there are options, and I think that's what it's about. I think, you know, in BC there's always been options. Yeah. In, in Alberta there's there have been options. Uh, there have been options here too. Our players just, um, you know, haven't really been educated on them. No, uh, and it used, they a- used to feel like you had to be the league scoring leader to get any kind of look, and now it's not that way. Totally, totally. So you know, we've seen the past. If you're watching the NHL playoffs right now, Kale McCarr is an example. He chose to play Junior A. Yep. Over Major Junior. Yep. And uh, it's turned out pretty good for him, I think. Yeah, won a championship. You know, he's yeah. he's uh, six <laughs> wins away from a Stanley Cup. And yeah, and he's arguably... You know, he's the most electric defenseman in the NHL. He's making $9 yeah. million dollars a year, too, which uh pretty, yeah. not pretty good. Right. If he wins the Norris this year, it's, <laughs> it it's still means to, or, uh, remains to be seen. But, yep. uh, but that's he's again, right there. He's, he's right one there. one of the best defensemen in the world. And you had him, actually, at the World Junior A Challenge. We had him at the World Junior A Challenge. That was, yeah. And, uh, him and wow. Dante Fabro. Was that ever a lot of fun? Yeah. You know, that was pretty special to see a 16-year-old at that level. 17, yeah, 16 he was that year, and um, it was just an incredible. But the kid loves the game, just very, very powerful, and you, and you have to. So he, amazing edges, amazing skills, can shoot the puck, can skate, fiercely competitive. Uh, and then when you add that passion for the yeah. game, now you have one of the best defensemen in the world. And you can't teach the passion. Like, you can work on your edge work, you can work on your shot, and that's what a lot of these kids at, at 12, 13, 14 – they need to understand that. You're not going to be Kale McCarr right away. You have to work at that. But you need to be able, you need to have the drive to work on it if you even want to think about getting there. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. There's no doubt. I mean we they he's got a special skill set. Yes, <laughs> so yes. he is blessed. <laughs> yes. He may be the only Kale McCarr out there, but if you're a kid, you can work just as hard as Kale McCarr works. You may not get the results, but you can work yeah. just as hard and put yourself in a position to succeed. That's a choice. Yeah. That's truly a choice, and, and that's that's a controllable. Um, and players get a long, go a long ways controlling just that in the game and being a good teammate and, and putting in the time. It's amazing how far that will carry someone. Paul, uh, it's, with the draft coming up on Saturday afternoon, the way we consume hockey has changed so much. It used to be the only way you could see kids that you wanted to draft is you had to put eyes on them physically. Now there's a way more, there's a bigger world of options to, to see kids. You very busy, but you got to see a lot of kids that you were potentially going to draft this year. What's it been like to, to see that change and have more ways to see kids? Yeah, well, video has become, through COVID, um, it, 
one of the positives, I think, is we started to adapt video, became more efficient with assessing players and, and watching them. I still love to see them in person. There is a difference between video and watching in totally, person. Totally. You do I mean, lose a little bit on video. You do lose, uh, you know, a number of things. Yeah. When you when they have the puck, you get to see what they can do with the puck when they're skating and they're in the screen, yeah. you know, I think. But then there's things away from where you may see their body language after a shift that maybe didn't go their way. Yep. Uh, often the camera's not on those players at that time. No, and I think you used a great word that you probably use a lot. It's controllables, and that's a controllable. That's a controllable. Yep. So attitude is a controllable. Yep. Work ethic is a controllable. Those are life lessons. Those are things that they can carry into whatever they do beyond the game as well. But those are two things that we always stress. Um, you know, Our expectation is that you know, take control of those. You got great minds working behind the scenes as well. David Anning, Nick Lubomov, maybe don't get as much talked about as, as they maybe should. Those guys see tons of hockey, and, and you value their opinions very highly. And this is their time to shine. This is their moment. Yeah, this is their Stanley Cup. That's right. <laughs> uh, yeah, two great minds. You know, David's been a longtime coach and, and uh, you know, coached at our level, coached in the Western Hockey League. Uh, Nick coached at our levels. Both of them were head coaches. Um, those guys love the game have great eyes yep. um and um so yeah they, they watch a lot of hockey i'm guessing luby would be in the you know 250 games a, a year uh when you think about that how many games you're in a lot of different arenas in manitoba <laughs> so. you are eating all kinds of canteen food and uh, coffee absolutely. That that's a point. lot of hot dogs it's, a, <laughs> it's it's exciting for them though because this is when their work pays off and you're in the difficult position as well because maybe they have strong opinions and maybe they have differing opinions on players. How do you balance when you know you're hearing two or three different points of view and you're on the clock getting ready to make a pick? How do you balance that? Yeah, well, we've had meetings here going through our list, so um, I, I think you know we spent some time together during the winter too, so they understand the feel for our team. Like for Nick, this is kind of his first year really being involved with us, yep. and. Um, you get a sense of what you know we're looking for, or the types of players we like, or the the players that kind of fit with our system. So you know he's he's pretty smart that he's like I think this guy would be a good fit for us. David's around us quite a bit as well, so yeah. you know uh, there's not a lot of you know bickering or <laughs> or debating. Is right. this is this a good player for us? So usually we're pretty much in agreement. Like we haven't had a player where we've been polar opposites this year. Plus I you know honestly. I don't see them as much, so I totally respect. I'll give them kind of the last say. I know mm, the coach GM, but for this year in particular, I didn't get to see them as much with, with uh, nope. having the restrictions that we did in the first half of the season. And the, the development maybe is not going to be there either with kids maybe not getting as much hockey the last two years. Yep. It's even more a roll of the dice, and it could be classified as a weaker draft class heading in, but this could be really strong once they get coached up the next two years. Who knows? I've heard weaker draft class before. Yeah. I've heard strong draft class before, yep. and I think it all kind of evens out over the years. Sometimes there's a you know f three or four players that are standouts, but um, I mm, my guess would be we're going to see some more than ever. I think there's some players that are going to get missed this year yep. in the draft. Late picks are going to do very well in our league. I'm um, Not all of them, but some will. And there's going to be undrafted players that are going to emerge Big time. next year. And we're like, Where, how did we miss that kid? Big time. Um, that's just the reality of what we've been, you know, dealt here in the last couple of years. The players, 
you know, some guys just haven't been on the ice for different reasons, and maybe it's financial reasons or their teams were not playing and others had the ability to be on the ice and do some skill development on their own. So some kids are further behind, but I do believe some are going to catch up and bypass others. So it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be fun, fascinating to watch um, kind of the side effects of the last two years. Yeah, and there's so much to unpack there. Let's start with those undrafted players. And, and I know that you have a message where this is not the end of the road just because you don't hear your name in a junior A draft. There, it actually it almost gives the kid more options if they're undrafted. 100%. You know what? Like if you get drafted, that is your, you know, that's your team. I mean, sometimes, you know, with us, some of our prospects have, maybe they could have played when we've been strong. Maybe they could have played another in our league at 17, but maybe they didn't have an opportunity with us that year. So now they're playing U18 another year. Well, a player that maybe was undrafted has options. So yeah. he can almost... He can write his own ticket. To some degree. I mean, to he'll get degree. listed. We have a list. So, yeah. But uh, you, sometimes you have a few more options. The thing and, is, uh, if you play, if you work hard and you, you, you're you skilled and, and again, you have those um, controllables and, and you, you know you're a good person, you'll get noticed. Just because you don't get drafted, you'll oh, get noticed. 100%. 100%. And, um, you know, back to options I, I use this analogy I mean I was drafted in 91 to the Pittsburgh Penguins with they had just won the Stanley Cup and that's exciting for a young player who's watching every minute of the playoffs that year right yep. but then you reality sinks in you're like <laughs> oh this this might not be that great this yep. isn't the opportunity that I was necessarily hoping for because yep. now you go and it's stacked with Hall of Famers and yep. and they have nine guys deep uh, that helped him win a Stanley Cup right. that are now a lot more favorable to the coaching and organization than Paul Dick who was just drafted. Totally. Yeah. So um I often said I wish I was drafted by San Jose, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh they were looking for they needed players. Um so not that different at our level. Yeah. Um but yes, for the undrafted players, man, wow, there's you know, some guys are discouraged. I would put that aside very, very quickly and focus on the opportunity ahead because there's a long, long path. They're 15 years old. Um, the reality is most players don't play in our league till they're 18. Um, Lots of time for growth. Oh long, goodness. long road. And with Niverville coming in, there's another franchise that's going to be looking for players, and that's just more opportunity for Manitoba hockey players as well, which is 100%. exciting. 100%. And, you know, you use Justin O'Shea as an example. One yep. of our the top players in our franchise history, undrafted, won a championship with us, became our captain at 20. Carved out a really nice yeah. career with the Bisons, got an education, and now is totally. working. Still, I, he's working in business and it still has his fingers in hockey a little bit as well yeah that's right and it's all coming from being undrafted totally it's amazing and, and another story about being patient as a hockey player and putting in the work and the time is Cole Smith now he's, yeah. in a, he's a Minnesota player but he came to us he had never played junior hockey before his 19 year old year which most Manitobans think they're done yeah and Cole comes in at 19 plays here 1920 goes to University of North Dakota for four years signs with the Nashville Predators has played nine games in the NHL. Yep, and and, and right there, like, he's back and forth. Like totally, one injury, he's getting the call up. Like uh, totally. So it's like he never gave up on that dream. Yep, and for him, it was effort based. Yeah. Well, he is a freak athlete too. Like that guy, that that guy does anything at an elite level. It's yeah. it's pretty amazing. But again, he he wants it and he works hard at it, and that's something that you can control. 
A hundred percent. I mean, the fire burns very brightly, and and you know, yep. it's it's a hot fire in there. He and he just. If he picks up a bat, he's smashing dingers. <laughs> Golf playing, club, he, yeah. he's a heck of a fisherman too. How he's so good at fishing? <laughs> that's just Cole Smith. Well, that's that's the family <laughs> genetics, so it's uh, it's not normal, but um, they're definitely blessed. Paul, uh, what are the big change? What what are the the differences in this draft? Is you like you said, you're drafting for players that are three years away from being in your program. You're not getting a, a player that you're going to plug into your lineup this year, like you could in the NHL or you know like, even in the WHL. You're, like you're you're looking down the road. How how do you plan for that? Because your program could change. What you oh, want yeah. in a player could change in three years, depending on on how you want to build your organization. Right now, we used to draft. And we still do. We factor it in. I mean, we can't draft just six forwards. Um, you try to find some balance in by position, but you know that can change too because we don't know which ones won't be here. And so, literally for us, I mean, our, our you know we're going to go through the draft largely selecting the best player available or, or the one that we feel is the best fit for us. Um, you know. Sometimes there are some surprises. Next year, there might be a kid that's like, "Wow, he's ready." I didn't, I didn't think he was going to be ready yet. Like he's come a long ways in a year, and those are great. And and um, you know, I'll use our local player here, Ty Paisley. You know, Ty came in last year at camp. I mean, we felt he was going to be, we felt he was going to be right there. Yeah. And and he stepped on the ice, and I, I know I called Booch, who wasn't there that day. I'm like, you know what? You should see Ty. Like it's, he's growing. Uh, we, you know, these kids are at a stage where three months can make a big difference in yep. just their physical growth. It, it really, it's it doesn't take a lot of time for a kid to make an impact. And you think of other kids that you've drafted, like a Neo Kamini. He he was listed as a lot smaller, and now he's he's grown. Spencer Penner, again, a guy that was drafted by Selkirk, maybe not expected to play even in this league, but now here he is back in the MJHL. So my question is, when you do you break up rounds and look at players differently? Whereas in you take maybe a higher risk in the back end of the draft than you would in the first maybe three picks? Yeah, that's often been the case, you know. But then there's times where we're like, well, we don't select for another, especially if you're missing maybe a pick in the third round. Maybe there's a uh, a pick that you've traded away. So then you're like, well, maybe we should do it now. You know, so <laughs> it changes on the fly depending on what's been taken. You know, sometimes we... If there's a run on defensemen in a certain round, usually that's what happens. You'll see the odd defenseman go, and then you've got to run a forwards, and then someone selects a, a, a D-man, and then there's five in a row. And the dominoes fall. Oh, my goodness, that was my defenseman. I yes. better take my next defenseman. Sure, sure. Well, yeah. you, you see it at every level. You see it in the NHL sometimes yeah. where a team is maybe in the 18th spot, and you know teams 14, 15, 16 take D, yep. and they're like, oh, boy. Like we better take our D now. Yeah, like it, we may have had him in the second round, right. or you know, like mid second round. Now we're taking him late first round. Totally. It, it, so it becomes very fluid. Yeah. Like you know what? We have a list. We've we've got them numerically positioned. You know, both by position and kind of an overall list. Yep. And um, there's times where that gets thrown out the window. Totally. And you really, your team doesn't really have a say in the direction it goes. You end up having to be more reactionary because you're picking so late. You absolutely do. You absolutely <laughs> do. You know, sometimes after the draft, people ask, well, why didn't you draft him? I said, well, we were hoping to, but, uh, <laughs> you know, this last week there were some auto protects taken yep. in Winnipeg that, were, you know, we were very high on. 
And uh, well, they're they're out of the picture for us. So yep. um, it is what it is. It is what it is. It's, you know, I think the thing to remember is the draft is one when constructing a team. A draft is kind of just it's a part of of the process, right? Um, we have thankfully we have other ways to augment their lineup. Absolutely, and like we were talking about before, undrafted players come to camp, make an impression. Uh, it, it's really amazing, and not even necessarily at your camp. They could be at a different camp and not have a spot, and vice versa. You could be at Pistons camp, you wouldn't have a spot, and you'll try and get that kid a, a shot somewhere else or a look somewhere else. Yeah, and sometimes they go on and thrive somewhere else. Yeah, just strictly due to opportunity. Yep, and again, work ethic and controllables. Paul, a couple more uh, draft picks that you have. Do you have all your picks, and uh, where are you selecting this year? Oh. Dave, good question. So uh, <laughs> we have our our selection in the first round, which is twelve, I believe, um, and then we have an early selection in the second round. Um, I put you right on the spot, didn't I? Yeah, you know, absolutely. <laughs> I know we have we have seven picks. Okay, that's we have, good. We have seven picks, so um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> where they are. It's again, it it. You like the number 12. After that, it becomes what other teams do. You'll react. You have your guys and so on and so forth. The number is almost inconsequential yeah, at that point. Yeah, you know, exactly. And then we're, you know, we've looked back at drafts and some of our better players have come from middle rounds. Yeah. You know, but that, again, like you're, you sometimes take a flyer on a guy that maybe gets better, maybe stays longer in, in Manitoba than you thought he would. Yeah. It, it can change so quick. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people like, like Matt Thiessen was a great goalie for yep. us. and. Matt wasn't a first round draft pick, you know. Nope. He's a NHL draft pick, <laughs> but he wasn't selected in the first round, and um, that's. And it doesn't matter if you go in the if first round is is nice, but seventh round, you, you, the same odds of getting eventually totally. to the team. Totally, uh, where they get drafted has no influence. No, nope. it's not like they're coming in with entry level contracts and guaranteed jobs. If, and yeah, yeah, we don't have a salary cap, so we don't have no. to make decisions based on on that they yep. all get the same salary <laughs> <laughs> at least you're even that way <laughs> yeah that's right yeah but yep. first pick seventh pick and it's not like you wanted one guy more than the next guy it's just that guy happened to be available and that's the guy you had targeted at some point and you take him people maybe put too much focus on the number or where a guy gets picked oh 100 yeah 100 so and there's you know, and sometimes those kids might even feel more pressure because they were a first-round pick, right? And yep. guys coming in at fourth, they play like maybe or sixth. They feel like they're playing with house money. They play freely at sure. camp. And um, honestly, as a broadcaster, I study this stuff. I don't know half the numbers where these guys get drafted. Like, yeah, I, I don't. I don't care. I I, no. I don't think coaches do either. No. It's just a way to get them into the program, 100%. get their eyes on them up close, and, and get to work with them. They don't know the number that they got drafted or the round. Uh, 100%. Yeah. I go through it every so often just out of curiosity. Or, yeah. like, or I'll show somebody, like, look at this. Yeah. Look at the 2013 draft. Oh, that, okay. that's a fun exercise when you can go yeah. back and do They're that like, hindsight, eh? They'll be like, well, who's that guy? <laughs> like, yeah, we, we missed on him. <laughs> and then you see the two guys that, or three guys that went after, and you're like, oh, yeah, that, that guy would have been good in, in blue and white. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Paul, we'll wrap up with this. Uh, you know, it's a lot of hard work. I know you and Anning and Luby and Booch put uh, so much work, Graham Pollock, into so much work into, into finding these kids. But this has got to be fun for you, just as a hockey guy, to be in that room talking hockey. Oh, yeah. There's moves maybe going around. GMs are talking trades and swapping picks, and it's just got to be so much fun for you as a hockey guy to be in that room. Oh, absolutely. You know what? It's 
the draft is what we as hockey players you grow up watching it on TV and and um, you know it's kind of the the start of your career at that level right so some of these players hopefully the odd the odd one gets through and gets drafted again by the NHL so yeah. uh, it's exciting it's fun for us too because I know it's exciting for the players and um, yeah for like for the scouts this is their their day to shine and they've put in a lot of hard work over the course of winter and putting lists together and the communication seems to be endless sometimes and then it all comes to fruition on yep. one day with with uh seven selections and <laughs> and then it's over and then we start over again so yep uh, it's this the focus gets shifted very quickly now to the 2007 players so um, but no, looking forward to having the guys in. We were we were hoping to get a little golfing in the morning prior to have lunch, <laughs> just make it a little bit of a festive day. Yeah, that's going to be great. Uh, I, I I always do this to you, and I'm so sorry because I think of a question after I say last one, but one more. Uh, so you, now the draft. I know you're going to take some time off. The league kind of goes quiet for six weeks or whatever it is. Maybe some light chatter. But what's next? Or how do players get invited to camp? But when is that process that you guys start going through? When when does that start? Yeah, we'll look at um, players that we had on our list. Maybe that didn't get drafted. You know, in the next couple of weeks. Um, probably by the end of June, we'll we'll, we'll get out some in, invitations to players for our, our fall camp. So you know, and there's always a number of players there. It might be upwards of ten some years where yeah. um, you know guys that we'd like to see at camp, and if they want to attend, want to if they're interested in our program, that's their choice if they do attend. So, um, well, actually, there's probably more than that to be honest with you. Yeah, there's usually there's a bunch of kids that end yeah. up coming to camp and and from all over too. Like, and it's a nice little mix from from small communities to to, to Winnipeg and, and everywhere in yep. between. Like, totally, some Minnesota kids, North Dakota kids. Yeah, and um, yeah. So no, it's always you know at the end of the year you're like ah, oh, it's over, it's disappointing, and then you and suddenly it just shifts very quickly to the excitement leading into the next season. Yep, I know that you've been you were at the Centennial Cup in Estevan, so you got to see that, and then you start making a little bit. You know, you're talking, and then the moves are allowed to happen, and now it's the draft. Then you get a little time, and then all of a sudden you're thinking about how to build the team for next year right back in a couple weeks. It's yeah, that's right. The pretty gear, amazing. Gears are always grinding. Dave. Always grinding. Paul, thanks for grinding away with me here. I always appreciate pre-draft talk and looking forward to uh, the next crop of Pistons and, and getting to chat with them uh, as they uh, take their turns in blue and white in the, in the future. So thanks for doing this. Yeah, it's awesome. Thanks, Dave.